0: Here's your host, Dane Carlson.
1: Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K A T H O D E R A Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Our guest today is Dr. Chad Miller. He is the graduate coordinator of the Master of Science and Economic Development program at the University of Southern Mississippi College of Business and Economic Development. Chad, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Dane. That's kind of a mouthful.
1: It is kind of a mouthful. I was, was going to say I that. So how, should I call you, should I, call, I, call, I called you, Chad. Should I, call you Chad. should I call you Dr. Chad? Should I call you Dr. Miller? How should I refer to you?
2: No, Chad, Chad's fine. I, my students, until they graduate, Dr. Miller professor, but once they get out, we always say we're we're educating <laughs> colleagues. Excellent. Teaching students,
1: Good. So, so uh, I guess why don't you explain that mouthful? Um, what is the Master of Science of Economic Development program at the University of Southern Mississippi?
2: The, the Master of Science program is the first graduate program in the nation. We started 1980 was the first class and 1982 was the first graduates. And so, since then, we've been putting out economic developers really focused on the, the nuts and bolts of economic development and, and what economic developers do. And uh, so we're we're well known. We have graduates all over the nation and doing all kinds of things. and very applied. There are just not many programs, mm-hmm. maybe half a dozen, who focus on the practice of economic development. So
1: it started in 1980. What was the impetus for starting the program?
2: What was the need? Well, there were... Was- It was a little before my time, but understanding there were some funding opportunities and a number of universities passed on it. So um, Southern Miss being entrepreneurial, they took it up. Initially, it was in the planning department uh, with geography and so forth. And then we moved around a bit. But the last 10 years or so, we've been in the college of business, which seems like a natural fit.
1: Sure. Does that... Does that represent a sort of a transition or a change in the industry from planning to to business or is that just a, a factor of you know um,
2: of the university? That's an interesting question probably a little bit of both but really we found the skills that economic developers and these are very business oriented I mean certain planning and geography you knowing that helps but and the two professions, have become a bit different there there are lots of planning programs out mm-hmm. there where you learn gis and urban planning and so forth so we're more of the business aspect of the economic development gotcha
1: so when I, I talk to economic developers all over the country and i you know tend to ask them how they got into the profession you know what did they you know did they come up and, and train for this or did was this something that they fell into and Almost invariably, they they've all fallen into it. So, what what do you get um, by you know getting this training and really starting your career with with this solid foundation that you would get in this master's program that you don't necessarily
2: get um, just on the job? Right. So, we really focus on the the science of economic development, give them the hands on skills. We give them a lot of the the data tools how to do target industry analysis, how to do retail analysis, how to analyze a company. Surreal a real science. So you're, you're right that people, most people get an economic and mm-hmm. fall into it. There's a classic John Levy wrote an article in the 1990s, surveying what they came in from preacher to, you know, newspaper. Um, and that there are not that many uh, trained economic people who just start from the undergrad to graduate level and go on up. So we're, we're kind of filling that area, but it it does really prepare them with the nuts and bolts. Our emphasis is to add value on day one so they can walk in an ADO and, you know, know how to fill out an RFI, know how to respond to a company, know how to work with elected officials, they won't be as refined. So we recommend the career development after that OEVDI, EDFP and that whole progression after that to, to give them the nuts and bolts to know the terminology is what, what our goal is. Right.
1: And so have you had, you know, some, I'm sure you have, but you've had some uh, students that have gone on to uh, great careers in the industry. Do any, you know, sort of come to
2: mind? Oh, uh, well, some of the big uh, Dave Rumbarger up at Tupelo, Chandler Rush Natchez, Scott Martinez out in Tyler, Texas, uh, Jubal Smith, that's working for JLL. So Chad Newell here at Area Development Partnership. Uh, So a lot of these solid economic developers are well-known in the profession are coming through and I've, I've seen your interviews a number. It's interesting to see when I see an alumni come through one of your talks.
1: Let's like, take a step back from this. Are most of your students, are they people who are just, have just finished a bachelor's degree and are you know, at the beginning of their career, or do you get students that were practitioners in the field that come back in and, you know, try to expand their education that way?
2: I was just, just kind of looking at the numbers in preparation for this. So about 40% are traditional students who undergrad going out. Another 30% are, are career transition. They've been working as an office administrator or working in press or something and looking to transition to economic development. Another 20% are Economic developers who want a master's degree uh, from an accredited university with AACSB accreditation. Sure. So those feel that yeah, master's is what a BA used to be. So so they need a master. So that that's kind of the split. But the the largest group is the traditional students.
1: Interesting. So what do you see the industry, you know, going from your perspective? Is it, you know, is it growing? Is it shrinking? Is it, uh, what's what's the
2: future sort of hold? Well, I do think it's growing. Pretty much our, our graduates, if they come in with the soft skills, they're getting hired before they, they finish up. We have one year, so it's not too much to address some of the general soft issues, but it's it's hiring growing, but it is becoming more technical, more expertise. Uh, it's amazing the amount of technology economic developers need to, be prepared to to handle and even if they're not using it to to be sophisticated connoisseurs of the data out there because it is becoming more and more data driven uh, even last week our MEDC talking to site selectors about using AI so you know how is that going to affect the field so we're we're trying to keep ahead of those kind of things and keep them trained but i see it becoming more and more technical and professional as we go on so uh, a good fit for having that kind of science education going into it
1: sure what are some um what are some other examples of these technical sorts of skills that that you see as the industry you know that economic developers
2: need well it starts in the office you have the crm system so mm-hmm. you need to make sure that they manage the clients know the clients and track them uh, when you're getting out, so uh, JobZQ, MZ, Gazelle, Implan, StateBook, Placer AI. There are a whole bunch of these these technologies out there that, that we try to work with a lot of the technology companies to, to educate our students, to help their education, but also helps them as companies. But it's a constant, even for us to keep up to date on, on what's the latest technology being used out there.
1: How do you keep up? You know, I'd imagine that's I'd imagine that's a huge part of the the challenge of your position.
2: Well, the, some of it is follow blogs and podcasts like yours mm-hmm. to to listen in on what economic developers talk about. We try to attend professional conferences uh, as much as we can, and then really we, we keep track, keep in touch with our alumni, strong alumni base. Talk to them. So when I talk to them or we meet our advisory council, it's like. Hey, what technologies do we need to have? Mm-hmm. And we'll do periodic surveys of our alums saying, what is the key technology? So, in the recent one, a community analyst came up. ArcGIS is being one of the keys. So, we incorporated that into the program. So, But it is a constant to keep out there, keep in touch with the profession about what is needed out there.
1: Sure. How big is the program? How many... You know, how many staff, how many professors, all that kind of stuff?
2: Uh, we have two full-time professors, and then we have a number of different adjunct professors
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, who, you know, Dr. Ed B., Dr. Samesh Aurora, are, are working professionals who teach in the program. And we also use what we call reflective practitioners. So typically we'll have a, an academic doctorate who, who has experience but they have a, an experienced economic developers, kind of the col- color commentator to help out in the field and to get them engaged in the program. And then we teach in a hybrid format, which the advantage of that is we can bring in all kinds of guest speakers from all over the world or the country. So probably about half the classes are guest lectures from economic developers or technology people or something like that. Oh, to, sure. To get, get that world of experience. Interesting.
1: You mentioned from around the world. Um, you know, is economic development the same, no matter where you are, or or is there, are there some differences?
2: In the developed countries, I think there's a lot of commonality. Now, when you get in the developing countries, it's still a different profession, and there are a lot of programs that focus on the international economic development side,
1: because mm-hmm. a
2: lot of those are the basics. Do we have water? Do we have sewer? Of course, a few places in America face those right, same,
1: sure, same
2: issues, but. It, it, it's it's that scalable economic development. Those places they're still working at the lower scale, the the building blocks. But now with increased FDI and other things, I think there is more of a commonality between Europe and, and certainly Canada, the U.S. and, and even Mexico. We see
1: interesting
2: adopting some of these same driven principles. and they're dealing with the same site selectors that we are.
1: That makes sense. Then I guess that. Yeah, that things would work the same. Is that um, that international economic development at the uh, lesser developed countries? Is that uh, development economics? Is that what they're all? Is that what that is when we that be, read that? that? Yeah,
2: that would say I would count as development economics. Gotcha. And so, I mean, with there are probably a half dozen programs was... like ours, whereas there are probably eighty or a hundred programs, right? right international yeah. economic development or development economics. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I always see that and I always kind of wondered and I kind of had figured out that that's what it was. So you said in our pre-interview that the economic development profession needs to do a better job of informing the public about what economic developers do and the career opportunities in the field. So what let's talk about that. What, um, what do we need to do better? What are we doing now? What do you
2: see? Well, one challenge with recruiting undergrads to the program is they think it's economics, right? Um, so somehow we in the profession need to know that, yeah, you need to know some basic economic principles, but an economist and an economic developer are two different animals. So if we can get that word out there and then you know, try to guest lecture in the schools much as you can to, to get them out and a, a lot of what economic development, you know, the, the students will see the results. Like this company's attracted to the town, but they don't really track who did that. Of course, there was somebody behind that making that happen, that they got their father a job or, or they got their internship there. So trying to make it more public that side, it, and some of it's basic, just, there's not a NAX code for economic development. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, students might not notice that as much, but in other areas, or it's not occupation code for an economic development to make it more public about awareness, perhaps even go to the high schools to think about career opportunities in that area because it isn't coming up with the, the career counselors or advisement.
1: You're right. That makes sense. And then do you touch on the, the political side of this? Because when I ask my readers and listeners, they say that the biggest challenge is always dealing with the the elected official or the politics of things and just all of that those ins and outs of that. So does your program, does it deal with that? Or, and do you have any advice
2: for dealing with that? We, we do touch on the politics, working with boards, working with elected officials, working with the press is all part of the class. And we try to incorporate the ACE studies and, and there's certain theories behind it and concepts that, that we teach. But a lot of that is learned. And that's, that's where you get, in my mind, more of the, the art of economic development. I Exposed that yeah, you need to be aware that you're going to report to an elected officials, you're going to report to a board. Here's the type of boards. Here's a setup. Here's what economic developers recommend you do. But a lot of that, in my mind, is a lived experience. But we give them the tools to prepare to work with elected officials and boards.
1: Sure. You mentioned uh, that there's a there's an art and a science to economic development. How what you know what's on the art side? Do you see? What skills, other than dealing with the art,
2: would be to board elected officials? I mean, we teach negotiation, but really, negotiation is something I think you need to do more to really get experience, develop that art, and and even how to interpret some of the data. We're, We're talking about labor sheds, so you can look at the hard numbers about where to establish a labor shed, but until you talk to an economic developer on the ground, they can say, well. Yeah. I might have people coming from this community, but that's really not part of our labor shit. So it's being able to interpret just more than the raw numbers to make sense of the raw numbers. And I think that's, that's the art and then just working with people so much economic development is his network and connections and so forth and mm-hmm. just experience and, and how you behave in certain areas. That's
1: so interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's all about, it's all people, you know, it's, I, I've never seen an industry that is more you know, who you know, who knows you, who you can get a meeting with, all of that. Um, do you think as the industry becomes more technical that some of that is uh, less important or will that always be really, really important?
2: I think it'll be important, but I think data will be more the language used between those connections. So the site selection can be less of a, a backroom deal and more being able to, to talk the data with the site selector, to, to really understand the data, have the data available, and be able to speak in that data language. But it's still going to come down to networks. Right. You know, you, Until you get that connection, you're not going to be able to convey your data message.
1: Right. As it's becoming more technical and more data-specific, are there... I guess the industry is changing because you have sort of an old guard who have been around the the time you know for for decades who have the networks and the connections and then you have the maybe the younger practitioners who are more technical. What advice and maybe this is a soft skill but what advice do you have for them? How do they develop that those networks and how do they make those connections?
2: Well that that is one thing we emphasize in the program is forcing people to develop their networks, you know, something as simple as LinkedIn, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: keep track how many LinkedIn connections, how many connections did you make and they report out. So every time a guest speaker speaks to the class, I'll say, have you connected with them on LinkedIn? Have you, you, you talk to them or ask for informational interviews and then encourage them to go to these professional conferences to, to get to know the people, develop those connections that other people have developed over 30, 40 years of connections. Um, and, and I found economic developers are very open to talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, always tell my students, request an informational interview, ask them what they do, how they, and I I found the profession is very open and they're interested in the new students coming out. Beginning of the semester, I always get alums pinging me, who's in the program, who's a good one, so I can keep an eye on them. And even the, the site selectors who specialize in economic development. They want to know who's going through the program because they realize that it's changing. A lot of economics obviously going to be retiring and opening up slots there.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I've seen numbers that, you know, more than about 50% of economic developers are, um, you know, above a certain age and they're, you know, on their way to retirement. So I, I think the industry as a whole is going to be radically transformed in the, in the near term.
2: And you get a lot of economic developers who know that and say, I want somebody good and bright who I can mentor for a couple of years to to take my place. Right. I even see that succession planning going on, trying to reach back to some of the younger students who have those technical skills to bring them on as a a number two or number three.
1: Yeah, right. That makes sense. So where do you see the... um... Where do you see the country going as far as you know reshoring and and this this sort of uh, changing of our relationship with China and and manufacturing in the U.S. Do you see you know what do you see happening there?
2: I, I think we'll see some continued reshoring. I, I really think the growth trend is going to be the nearshoring mm-hmm. to Mexico and mm-hmm. Central America if they can ever get their act together. Um, spreading, I mean, companies are wanting to diversify from China, and I I worked over in China for five years in Vietnam for a couple of years, the heyday in the nineties when it was booming, and you just see a lot of companies wanting the resiliency, wanting the, to, the more stability of, of being closer to home, but it can be hard to do in the U S labor costs get high and, uh, some other disadvantages. So I, I see reshore near shoring and those kind of trends as really being the big trend. Sure.
1: Right, to Mexico. Yeah. And you're right, to Central America when they get their their act together. I've heard that uh, Colombia is like Mexico was about a decade ago. So, you know, there's some hope that some of that is going to get itself figured out. And yeah, that should be interesting. Um, So how did you get into this? How did you get into economic development? I read that you were an officer in the army and that, you know, I just wonder how this transition played out for you.
2: Yeah. So after I graduated from William Mary, I joined the Army, stationed at the Pacific Rim, and was fascinated by Asia. It was when it was, it was booming at that early 90s time timeframe. Uh-huh. And uh, so I went over there, worked in Hong Kong for a while, Vietnam, and then came back in, in Maryland, was doing export promotion. And that's where I first started to get involved with the economic developers, more traditional economic developers, and then hired by Virginia Tech for their outreach unit they were doing economic development so again from going from the export promotion side of economic development to more of the traditional side of virginia tech where i was doing that work and then working on my phd mm-hmm. so when i finished my phd i saw this program which i'd heard about from working in the profession so it was a great opportunity to to come down to to hattiesburg
1: that's fantastic so what there's probably something that you you know think about the profession that that maybe is contrarian or is something that other economic developers maybe you know don't think or don't haven't thought either haven't thought about or you know maybe they hold an alternative uh, opinion. It, do you have any idea what that is? Is there is anything come to mind? I,
2: I don't know if it's contradictory, but one thing we haven't talked about is diversity in in the profession. Oh, sure. Um, I think there's a need for it and we're seeing in in our students coming more diverse, you know, both racial and and gender differences. So I think that's probably going to change the profession quite a bit as uh, these minorities and so forth get into powers of leadership. And I see a lot more from those students interested in in the community development side and then building that social network and social capital and and these underserved communities. So I think that could be a trend going forward to say, well, maybe unless attracting the big companies to let's really work on our community, developing the downtowns and so forth. So I don't know if that's contrarian, but I just see that as the evolution or or pressure on the traditional recruitment side, looking at other values.
1: Do you think that that's the case because, um, that has sort of been under, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely been underappreciated, underdeveloped, underutilized, uh, you know, for the last generation, maybe that, and that's kind of fallen by the wayside and that sort of happened naturally. And it was an organic thing, you know, 50 years ago. And now we have to, you know, we ha- really have to actually actively work at that.
2: Right. We, so in the program, we used to always talk about the three-legged stool of economic mm-hmm. development. Business attraction, business retention, small business development on a, a base of community development. And that community development piece is becoming more prevalent and it's becoming more talent attraction, quality of place. And I think that's that's going to change the profession. Economic developers are going to have to know more about quality of place, which kind of brings us back to the planning area. Mm-hmm. It's right. Of the, the full circle of the program started in planning. Now we're we're finding we're having to do more of the planning side. Oh, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. So is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that we should touch on?
2: Well, just there, there are a number of programs out there doing teaching the practice of economic development. So really encourage economic developers to, to work with your local universities, to to get engaged with them and help us recruit students to the profession. We'd love to, to get more students in the program. And I know other schools, Murray State, Penn State mm-hmm. would love to get more. So hopefully economic developers will encourage the young and upcoming students to, okay, you're, you thinking, finish your undergrad. Why don't you think about getting a master's in one year, you get a profession. A lot of times you can get a graduate assistantship. So you get it paid for, and then you can come out in the profession with a master's and you have a lot of the skills needed to, to move on.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, that's good. how many um, How many students do you have you know in a, in a program?
2: We're about fifteen to twenty range. Okay. So we have the Master's of Science to economic Development, and then we have a graduate certificate in economic development. So that would be uh, four core classes of data analytics and theory, business attraction and retention, small business entrepreneurship development, and real estate and land use planning. And that would be a four classes you could use, say it with an MBA. Right. Uh so for example, working at the University of North Texas Dallas, a joint program with them where they would get an MBA from UNTD and take our four classes, get a graduate certificate. So so that's another option. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So how and how does it um how does the program? How does it compare to some doing something like OUEDI? You mentioned you know that you encourage your students to go do that afterwards once they're in the profession, but but how does that compare?
2: Uh, well, we do a lot more papers, reports, analytics, writing, uh, presentation. So it's more intense from the the academic side mm-hmm. than OUEDI. OUEDI, yeah. I, I've been out there. Great program. Great networks hear great stories, but less, you're not putting together a retail analysis or not doing target industry study or not, you know, setting up a CRM system, which, which we do in our program. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of the same topics, but we go a lot more in depth. Okay, But it, they're complimentary. I, I very much and encourage all my students. Okay. You're, you're done with the program what's your next step in professional development? Is it is it EDFP? Uh-huh. What is it? Because you have to continually grow and develop in this profession. Right.
1: Right, that's true. That's absolutely true. You keep mentioning the the CRM, so I have to ask, what CRM do you train them to use?
2: Um, we've done a, a couple different. So we're using, on the blank right now, we just switched to edi EDO IQ is the most recent one. But we've worked with a number of different suppliers. So we often try to, every couple of years, switch up to a a different partnership to to work on that. Sure. Excellent.
1: Well, this has been fascinating. I have learned a lot, and I hope that our listeners have as well. If they would like to reach out to you, um, maybe learn more, or or just network and and do that, what is the best way for them to um, reach you? Uh,
2: give me an email it's chad.r.miller at usm.edu i'm on linkedin you can look me up there or my office number is 601-266-6666 sometimes the 66 is kind of throw you yeah it makes it easy to remember as well. right
1: exactly uh excellent well hey this has been uh wonderful you've been a great guest thank you so much
2: well thank you appreciate it and Look forward to, to reading more of your, your newsletters Thank and, you. and listen to your podcasts.
0: You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.